and the adaptation of practice is to its best. Thank you. Now over for question answer time. Thank you, Brother Ramesh. Brother Prakash, I must say you have touched on uh, many profound points, some of them very, reveal, very revealing. Your emphasis on uh, character formation is a timely reminder to all of us. I can personally relate to the uh, concept of uh, 1880 or not this, not this, requires a lot of courage and uh, willpower. Thank you again, Brother Prakash. We'd like to take a short break before we move on to the second part of this program, which will be the Q&A session. Are you ready to take on the first question? Absolutely. First question, brother. What are some of the obstacles or pitfalls that we may commonly face on our spiritual path? From your experiences, can you share some of those that you have personally encountered and how did you overcome these obstacles? It would be a folly for me to say that I overcome all the obstacles. <laughs> it's still an ongoing process, work in progress. Bread is still being cooked or uh, I would say, you know, put in the oven still in the process. But each one of us have our own ways in which uh, we stumble. All of us write our own thesis manuals on how we can stumble towards the goal. Very rarely can anyone say that uh, they have not fallen on the way. Not fallen in the sense of falling down, but going through some kind of a stumbling block or another. The biggest stumbling block I have personally encountered a lot. Now I'm encountering lesser, hopefully, is what I would call as uh, my own assessment of my intelligence. We all have in various degrees, I know it all. Even a three-year-old child, when you say, don't do this, you'll say, I know mama, I know papa, I know. Somehow humans have this tendency, and I don't want to generalize, but for me it has been the biggest, uh, once there was a huge kind of a mental slap I got when we were all sitting in the beach. And uh, Chariji started uh, talking to a question that an Abhyasi asked. I sort of preempted one or two lines in my own exuberance, thinking that I'll give a cue to the master. And once he kept quiet, second he quiet, third he literally shooed my head off in front of about 100 people. So now tell me what is the fifth line I'm going to tell you. Now tell me what is the eighth line I'm going to tell you. I mean, in a very loving way. I mean, not that. Later he told me, you know, when he had come back to Gayatri, said, uh, leave alone when a master speaks. He didn't call himself a master. He said, leave alone when an elder speaks. When somebody speaks, just shut your intelligence and listen to them. They may have a different part of you. This is one thing uh, I have seen with uh, some great personalities outside the mission whom I have come across. And this is what maybe Daji mentioned this morning about uh, humility in his talk. 
intelligence is a very big uh, challenge we all have, specifically when we are in material life, in corporate life. And the only yardstick that you see is the material success you have, the power that you wield, the authority that you hold. You think you are successful and because you are successful, you think you have a right to talk on anything. You have a view. In fact, the world has a POV, a point of view of everything. I used to have a lot. These days, I have not consciously reduced, but I have to a great extent understood the folly of thinking that I know. Here and there, uh, the dark man wakes up, does show his face, but uh, I am quick to recollect who I am and who I am not. So that is one pitfall that I have learned from my personal experiences. Like they famously say, you are given two ears and one mouth so that you can shut up and listen more. So if we can, every situation is capable of teaching us something. Something in terms of what we should not do. Sometimes you may be wondering, this person, what he's saying is so irrelevant. But when you look back, you'll find one strategy famously said there are no coincidences in life in this universe. Nothing is a coincidence. Everything happens for a reason. As uh, repeatedly it comes in this personal reason, dither, whatever, or you already pronounced French word. There is some purpose for which you are exposed to something. The famous thing what happened to Babaji Maharaj when he walks through and he finds he is walking through a street he is not supposed to walk through. And Lalaji says, what are you doing? Babaji has walked through that street in constant remembrance, he has forgotten. And then Lalaji says, now having come here, clean the place. So these are all things which happen to all of us, but how quick we accept our folly maybe is a good way to take us towards being, as Daji quotes Babaji very often, it's all right for you to think you are great, but think that the other person is greater. So this is one point which I wanted to share, though there are several others. But this is one thing which uh, has recently, I last few years, I have not just kept it under check, I have maybe understood and internalized to a great extent. It's a folly to think that, one, you know everything, second, you can know everything. Suppose that answers the question. Thank you, brother. Second question. The goal of Sahajma practice can also be defining, defined as attaining self-mastery. Having known Daji personally for many years, from his pre-master years as an Abhyasi, to becoming appointed as the successor of Chariji, and today assuming the mantle as the master, Please, could you share your perspective of Daji's nature, character traits, and changes that he has brought upon himself in attaining the highest goal of human life? So I haven't seen Babaji Maharaj. So I really don't know what Chariji Maharaj had to go through in terms of uh, taking the mantle and carrying on. But all of us, almost all those in the screen today, in one way or another, have seen uh, who Chariji Maharaj is. 
such a versatile personality. Not just for the sake of it, but literally there is no single topic in this world that he cannot speak about. I have seen him in several conversations with uh, people from varied fields. Once there was a person who was a physicist who was working with NASA. And when he came and the kind of conversations, highly scientific, technical conversations, it was all for us flying above our head. We were just sitting and watching. And that person left really astounded, saying that I never knew. When he came out, he's still in the mission. He's a preceptor also. He said, Prakash, this, just, this person amazes me. When you live along such a giant of a personality, it's very, very, very easy for people, specifically Abhyasis, practitioners, to tend to compare and make our own uh, graveyard to our size. When he was announced a successor on the 3rd October 2011, we have a good connection from the past. From the time I joined the mission, when I first met him, Subsequently, it so happened that in Garden of Arts, which is the flats opposite Manapark Marshall, we all stayed in the same ground floor in D block. He was our neighbor, not even knowing who he was supposed to become. Those days were very, very, very witty, charming, jovial person. The kind of jokes he could cut, the humor, fun-loving. He would uh, Fun-loving doesn't mean you'll change. What I'm saying is that happy-go-lucky, rather. And uh, later, towards uh, around 2005 or 2006, he decided to settle full-time in India to be with Charit Maharaj. And then he became a little bit more uh, inwardly drawn. I wouldn't call it serious, but uh, maybe he was being prepared. I don't know. But I always had a relationship, I continue to have one, mainly because we are neighbors. And uh, some of the way in which I used to work, he liked. Specifically, whenever he was away, specifically after 2005-06, when he was in the US. Uh, whenever he wanted to talk to Charity Maharaj, I used to be the first person he, he used to call on the mobile. If I am not Arun Charity Maharaj, then I will tell him who is there and then he will call. And there was some kind of a connection, vibration, kind of stuff we seemed to have in some way. And when he was made, announced as a successor, and within a few months, I was appointed as his secretary, officially. A lot of work that I had to do, specifically when Charity Maharaj was not keeping well, a lot of administrative work lot of uh, spiritual work, weddings, things like that he used to do. Spiritual work, of course, he used to teach a lot. He was very, very, very forthcoming in uh, sharing spiritual and technical knowledge. Many of us know it. Everyone today on the screen, if you are a trainer, you are called a preceptor these days. But in those days, there were two classifications, prefect and a preceptor. He doesn't hold back. Today, everyone by default is made a preceptor, which means you are given access for all the work that the full preceptors of those days could do. Not only that, he brought some of his uh, very successful thinking and business practices into spreading the method 
what we currently call as heartfulness. I have seen the metamorphosis that happened to him, to our own system. The reach that he has created uh, through the works that he has done, heartbreaking works. He's a very big visionary. Charaji was also a visionary. But if you take Daji, he has a different uh, kind of a vision and the way of uh, thinking. Initially, he was a very shy, even today he's a very shy person. I know him to some extent. But due to his current expositions, he doesn't have a choice. He has to mix with people. I mean, just to give you an anecdote, those days uh, from Garden of Arts, he would never, normally never walk through the front side of the meditation, of those who have seen. He will take the second gate and walk through the back side of the meditation hall and go to the cottage. He was shy, not that he wanted to avoid people. And even when he walks, he'll put his cap down and walk, walk looking at the floor so that people don't come and talk to him. And these days, it's, it's not possible. So those changes and the workloads that he has taken, of course, it seems to be impacting his health here. And there. Even today, he said he has those uh, bouts of vertigo and all that. But the metamorphosis I've seen in that uh, the son who now overtakes the father, which is what in Tamil we also say, the father should be proud from wherever he is to see that his son is overtaking. There's no competition there. They only say, wow, as they say, you know, wow, what a job done. I'm very sure the hierarchy who's watching is, in my view, is just begin the innings, just about seven years. You will see some more astounding growths, strides that he takes. He is so focused on the growth of the mission that he cannot imagine. Every conversation he has, everything invariably brings him back to how it can. There is no separate past time he has. I have known him for several years, close to two decades plus. He didn't have a TV in his home. He used to watch movies with Chariji Mahara because Chariji liked it. And he used to sit because Chariji liked it. For whatever reason. But he never has, even today, he doesn't have it. He has a TV to watch maybe Zoom calls these days. That's all. He doesn't watch programs. He doesn't read newspapers. Never. Very, very rarely, very important news. Sometimes when Chariji reads, he may just take a peek. He doesn't read newspapers. He says, it's a waste of time. <laughs> But the amount of literature he reads is astounding, astounding. There's many of us think that he's putting us through what is the preceptors in the refresher programs or when they're being made a preceptor. The amount of literature they are reading, we all think, uh, I've seen some preceptors complaining, it looks like a school examination, jokingly. But I have seen even those days, he could literally, literally, not just recite, he could quote verbatim from any books of any of the masters. Raraji, Babuji, Chariji, could quote. It's written in this book here. It's quoted here. Chariji used to jokingly say, if he has a doubt in literature, he'll say, call Kamlesha on a topic. <laughs> to such an extent, he was a, a master of research market literature. Of course, he's also a very widely read person. He has a huge appetite for good music. Things like that. But what I have seen is the blossoming of a young disciple chosen, anointed during the lifetime of his master, taking over the mantle, 
with a huge personality shadow in which he has to grow out and grow big. He has taken all that in his strides. And uh, it has been a tremendous metamorphosis which is still unfolding. And some of us know, many of us, even whatever I am saying, I am like the five blind men who are looking at an infant. I see a wall, I see a tail, I see a tusk, that's all. I don't see the elephant yet. But I know for sure that uh, the people up there would uh, be too happy with him. Very, very, very happy the way in which uh, he has taken and shaped. See, masters, uh, literally, their job is uh, of a loner. Though they have the hierarchy to support. At a human plane, once I remember I was having a conversation with him, uh, once he moved to Hyderabad, I gone. I still stay in Chennai, you know. I only keep going. And unfortunately, last one and a half years due to pandemic, our interactions will have been only on Zoom and emails and occasional phone calls he calls for administrative work. Once he said and we started some conversation, he said to Prakash, keep coming more often so that I can have conversations like this. Because I need people because they're not not with all I can speak everything. I'm not sharing it as a credit or whatever, but as a plight of a man uh, who's at such a supreme level that when he wants to check something, he at that level, they are lowest. So to many extent, the decisions that they have to take Many of us abhyasis practitioners don't understand uh, the depth or the implication of what it means. The master, when he takes a decision, it spans five, seven generations ahead. Whereas we may be looking, for example, effects in administrative change. It keeps happening all the time. I have been removed from a post several times. I have been put back in some other post later also. Even today, it keeps happening to all of us all the time. There are changes, continuous changes. But the immediate question is, like the famous story, you know, the two friends were there. How much do you like me? He said, I like you so much. Whatever I have, I will give it to you. So the friend asked him, if you have two homes, what will you do? I'll give you the other home. He said, if you have two cars, what will you do? I'll give you the other car. If he says, we have two pens, what will you do? He said, no, I'll hold back both the pens. He said, why only two pens? Because these are two pens I surely have. The others I don't have. So we all want to give what we don't have. We don't give what we have. So that life is sort of that way, you know, in some sense. We all, when, it, when we get hurt by his decisions, we don't see the longevity. If you have a country in charge and the country in charge is changed, the person who is the country in charge will get upset. But when your neighboring country is charged, you say, what a master stroke. This is exactly what should happen. We all say that. Even I would say that if I'm removed, I don't know. So their life is, uh, one Saraji beautifully said, I wear a crown of unlimited thorns. I have nothing but a crown of unlimited thorns. And the same is true for Daji as well. Empathy for the master is not easy because first of all, to empathize, you have to understand what the person is going through. If Abhyasis can empathize, nothing like it, but we may not be capable of empathizing, at least an unconditional love and bhakti for the incarnate master, though they never ask for it openly, might help them in the job. And uh, 
if he stops judging the decisions that he makes and just follows suit, not easy, not easy at all. Charity once mentioned in the presence of Daji that, uh, see, when people from outside throw stones, I don't mind. But when people from inside the house throw stones, it's difficult to digest. He was speaking about somebody doing something those days, uh, which was very unfaithful. And he was deeply hurt for a day or so. Then he got over it. Masters at that level, they quickly get over it. But he mentioned that when people from outside throw stones, it's okay. I know anyway, I don't expect them to support me. But someone who has lived with me, understood for 10, 20 years, that's something it becomes. So if people, if at all there is something that we can do is to follow him with the complete faith that they can see much farther ahead than what we can ever collectively see. So the question that you gave was how we transformed, I think. I have meandered and come where to the question is. <laughs> uh, one great personality has given rise to another one. And uh, we are all fortunate to have such a capable incarnate master. Make best use. That's it. Thank you, brother. Question three, we've covered some of it in the last question, but I'm going to ask you anyway. What do you think were some of the greatest challenges faced by Daji and how did he overcome them? I wouldn't say acceptance of him that was more or less done thanks to Chariji's uh, foresighted approach of giving him two, three years to settle in, which was not the case I heard for Chariji Maharaj. But the answer to this question is there in the earlier answer I gave. People continuously, consciously or subconsciously, are evaluating what a master does. At that level, we don't need to speak a word. We don't even need to be in front of him. We don't need to send a mail. We don't need to do nothing. The resonance automatically carries to them. Just because I am sitting in Chennai, you are sitting in some part of Malaysia, making a thought that master shouldn't have done this it immediately resonates. Even at a human level, we resonate with people whom we like. We avoid people whom we don't like. It's normal and we can smell it. There are times when I used to enter my home even before I become a, a BSc. I know I should enter home. When I enter, I find there is some relative or some friend whom I don't want to see who's sitting there. It sort of creates a vibratory field. And uh, Charaji once beautifully said that Abhyasi's vibratory field instantly reaches the heart of the master. And hence, if there is one thing that we can really do to avoid his challenge is acceptance, not even cheerful acceptance. He said even cheerful means you have been grudging once to be cheerful. Just accept. Takes a lot of time. But if the soldiers keep asking questions to the general every time, about the moves that the general is making. And here the general is far, far, far from a higher plane that we can ever contemplate. The master is always one step ahead of you, if not more, in terms of his spiritual position. 
come what may. Even though Babaji has once said, I have now put you beyond myself. That was his humility. They're always ahead and uh, I can say based on my own experience, I have done that uh, stupid mistake several times of judging his decisions, both with Chariji and with Daji also. Though it's going on record, I have no qualms in accepting. Because after all, he knows. And that is something that we can inspire him. And that is one challenge, specifically functionaries and volunteers. If we can inspire him, I think uh, that would be a great help we can do. Thank you. Thank you. Fourth question. What are some of the best advices that you have received from Daji that had an incredible and transformational impact on your life? There are many, but I'll share one uh, which was sort of a straight hit, which I never understood uh, maybe throughout the life I spent with Charlie Maharaj. It was through two, three years <coughs> later in Kana in one of the uh, functions. I always used to hang around with him and I thought being his secretary, which I continue to be as of today, that was sort of a birth rate. I didn't think that way, but I thought, okay, it's all right. After all, I'm a secretary. If I'm there, maybe I can do a job. And in one of the talks, he gave a straight nod by naming me. Straight. Of course, uh, he was very considerate that that portion of the talk was removed when it was uploaded. Still there in YouTube, but uh, that portion was removed later. He said uh, he doesn't understand the samskaras he is creating to others when he's projecting an image that is close to me. That was like a huge, I wouldn't call it a slap or a knock. That moment was, for me, it was transformative. It's like, even when doing your work, do it in such a way that you don't create some scars in others. Even so what you are a functionary, so what you are a zonal coordinator, so what you are a regional coordinator or a country coordinator, so what, whatever you are, but whatever you do, even if one single abhyasi develops a samskara or the feeling that this functionary is doing this and that in some way puts a cap between them and the master. When I was projecting that image that I was close to him, maybe somebody else felt I'm not as close to master as Prakash is. And that may be strengthening that person's point B, guilt or anger or jealousy or whatever. It took me a lot of time uh, to get out of that mode of wanting to be physically next to him, even subconsciously. But that was one of the best indirect, see, Charity always used to mention, Daji used to demonstrate, the best of advice meant for you will never come straight to you. Very, very, very rarely it will come straight to you. It will always be packaged. It will always be delivered through somebody or by somebody. But when you unpackage it and look at the gift which is inside, you'll find that there is a gem that the master sent you for your transmission. So for me, I think uh, that sums up the answer to your question. Okay. 
fifth question. What are some of your proven effective methods or tools for keeping track of our spiritual progress that you will recommend for us to achieve our goals? <laughs> I'll be an antithesis to this question. I said, forget all that. It's a waste of time. It's like a fish being in an ocean, finding out which part of the ocean I am in. It's not your problem. Don't worry about it. And these intellectual questions, in my view, I lost track of that relevance long ago. Though intuitively we all feel at some point of time what is your position or what's your current condition and how does it matter really? It actually doesn't matter. Actually speaking, even at point one, you can have a pralaya and merge with him. It's up to him. And there are people who have been at the highest levels who have fallen at the time of death, which is all documented. I don't want to name you all know, even it happened during the time of Babaji Maharaj subsequently also. The only technique, if at all, make the goal and him as your only obsession. Forget about what is your position, what is your condition, what is your approach. All that, in my view, is blah, blah. You can lose it anytime. After all, he has given it to you. And he once famously said, if I tell you today you are in love point, and what is the guarantee you won't fall tomorrow? There are people who have fallen. There have been hundreds and hundreds of stories right from ancient times when rishis of the highest caliber fall with just one temptation. So in my view, ideally speaking, though 90-day practice is about intensifying practice, but don't focus too much about what is your progress. Even to think, am I making a progress is, in my view, sacrilege. How can we even think if the master is giving us progress or not? What else can he give you? It's like asking a mother, you are not feeding me. Mother knows what to feed you, when to feed you. Maybe the quantities might be slightly... For example, you like your mother's food is tasty, you want to eat more. It's like a condition in which you want to dive deeper. But like what Bhavimara said about SDK or uh, crossing the chit, he said it's like uh, dwelling in Kaudan. In such an insult <laughs> to, a, to a, a condition which everyone, literally every ancient literature craves for. He says it's like Kaudan. It's like a bee in a Kaudan for Bhavimara. And in my view, I, to a great extent with certainty, I can say that I have given up all the worries of where I am, what my approach is, what is the condition. If I am able to feel the condition, I write it to my diary, forget it, move on. So focus on the goal, do his work as much as possible, whether it's one minute or one hour, put your heart and soul. Leave the rest to him. I mean, if he is the creator, doesn't he know what to do with you? I hope it answers. Yes, thank you. I'll duck the last question and move on to what Ramesh had in mind. I have a different proposition to that. <laughs> if there are no questions. We have a few more questions before we come to that. Good, good. <laughs> uh, how do you bring a balance in your life? And what is your secret of managing your time so efficiently while having such high profile and important roles in the corporate world, autonomous organization, being a best-selling author, trainer, 
and perhaps more importantly, being a family man. See, in Tamil, there is a saying, you know, in English, it translates as this too shall pass. Time management and life management is a topic I have been taking for 30, 35 years for corporates. I will coach them and all that. So initially, I used to worry a lot about how am I going to manage time? How am I going to segment? But when I found out in a down-flowing river, if you are in a raft and with the right guide, once I went for a whitewater rafting in a river long ago, and the person said, sir, don't worry about what happens to you. Just enjoy the ride. If you're going to fall, we'll save you. Don't worry. There'll be rocks. There'll be things. Nobody has ever died. There could be a couple of bruises here and there. He said, don't forget to enjoy the ride. Do not worry will you reach the other side. Will I fall? Because when you look from outside, what white water rafting looks so aggressive. You know, it's, it's, It looks dangerous. But when I went and came out, what he said was true. We were somewhere, we were thrown off. And we all had lifeguards. Of course, I knew swimming, there's no need. Within a couple of seconds, he immediately pulled us one or two. Likewise, if your ultimate goal is clear, I don't worry about managing time or anything. I enjoy the moment. Not just live the moment, I enjoy the moment. There may be a clock hanging somewhere. There may be a calendar hanging somewhere to show me the date. But why bother? What are you going to achieve anyway? There's a famous quote in English, at the end of a game of chess, both the king and the pawn goes back to the same box. <laughs> we all will get hit the graveyard, either burnt or buried. Why bother? Enjoy the flow. Maintaining your internal and external calm. Never waver away from character. As I said, that is one thing I am 200% sure it's been very well imbibed by both Chariji and Daji. Thanks to some upbringing of the kind of families I've grown up. I have absolutely, uh, I would say, no baggages that I need to hide when somebody is watching. When you have an open book of life, when there's nothing that you have to worry about. So what if a boss says you haven't done your work? Have you done your best is the question. Is the question asked, have you done the work? Have you done the best? I handle eight to 10 hours of mission work. Another five to six hours of my business coaching work. And all. I have about seven hours left for myself. I sleep for about four and a half hours. I give about one and a half, two hours for my family. Not always in exact propositions, keep seeing you. In between, I mix and match both little bit of more time for family, lesser time. Something will manage somewhere. I mean, there is no life and death work that I'm personally doing. I'm not an ICU doctor. Why bother about the additional few minutes of managing? And who created time after all? Man created it. Before man came, the concept of time didn't exist. We created... Uh, for our own sake of tracking movements between two events and created the unit of time. I don't think animals bother about time. If you ask a lion or elephant, does it say that uh, morning 7.30 is breakfast for me? 
When it's hungry, it gets, gets up, runs. The vegetarian, it eats some uh, shrubs and uh, leaves, whatever. If it's a lion or carnivorous, it just hunts. Why can't we just be simple? After all, that's what our maxim says, be simple and in tune with nature. To a great extent, I think uh, here and there, I can't say I've absolutely overcome that. Here and there, there'll be a couple of, specifically with a huge celebration. Specifically, I handle certain sensory portfolios like managing meditation, all things like that. There'll be a couple of anxious moments here and there. But even then, later I find out it's, it's like a hand falling on the back of an elephant and asking, did I hurt you? <laughs> Many times, we thinking that we are managing the largest show of a celebration is a folly. I learned to enjoy life. That's what I would tell people. If you do your best. Time is just a... You, you don't bother, it doesn't bother. Well, highest level is the input I would give, but if you are a paid coachy, I'll put you through a different process. <laughs> In a corporate world. Thanks. That's it. I'm looking forward to your answer to the next one. Please tell us more about your role as the secretary to Daji. What's it like and some interesting or unusual experiences that you have encountered while working with him? There are tasks which I can talk about. There are tasks I cannot talk about. <laughs> I mean, uh, if you are a bookkeeper of accounts in an organization, the chairman has trusted, the board has trusted you with, though you know everything, you may not be able to talk about it. But what I do learn is there are people with varying interest who approach him through various means. Functionaries, volunteers, BICs, first-time seekers, so there are ways and means in which we have to enable a lot by keeping him free to do bigger work, better work. One thing I teach in corporate life to many of the CEOs I coach is, so don't get into micromanagement. If you make a master to micromanage at a human level, at a spiritual level, what he does, that's his problem. He may take on a BRC, make him stay with him for a week, give him sitting, that is something which we will never be able to completely understand. But at an administrative level, one thing that I have learned, both in my unofficial post and official post that I've been holding now, it's almost 10 years, close to 10 years, I would say, nine years completed, of me holding the post of secretary to present. One thing that is very clear is, the only objective I always have, how can I lessen the load on him? both administratively and spiritually. While responding or managing his work, we had to ensure people, based on the other talk that he gave, which I mentioned just now, ensure people don't develop samskaras because of your interaction with them. They shouldn't feel belittled. They shouldn't feel that so-and-so uh, is blocking my access to my master and things like that. So it, it is a hypersensitive area of work. You need to be sensitive, yet you can't react, which means uh, many times you will have to uh, 
dive deep into resources that have never been accessed before and stay calm. Because you are just a go-between. Any functionary, leave alone me, any functionary, any preceptor, even the preceptors are called the arteries of the mission. The role of the arteries to allow the blood to flow to the heart and back to the organs. The artery cannot say, I will block you. Likewise, the roles that we all have, the, the biggest is how fast we can facilitate being the least hindrance and also keeping a focus on his energy and time so that we don't make him run around in circles. All of us can increase his load in no time. One of the functionaries reaches out to him in some way or another and asks for support. Though he might chide you, he will still be... Uh, in all probability, giving you some kind of guidance, either directly or indirectly. That's why Charity used to quote Babaji Maharaj, you know, make the master happy and see what wonders he can do. And for him to be happy, you have to give him free time. And for him to get free time, the preceptors and functionaries and volunteers have to make lesser and lesser load on him. Thinking that, what would a master do in this position? The heart says, follow. If the person rebels, then see what is the call you have to take. That's all. Anything unusual you could share? <laughs> Supernatural, perhaps? <laughs> see, there are many. I mean, uh, anything I say uh, can be turned as a miracle and that can be held against a master. So it's better that I don't. But I have umpteen experience. You cannot imagine the kind of it. But it's better that they remain in my personal uh, realms. Because even if I share one, oh, master is capable of this. Why he didn't do for me? Oh, he could have done that for me. Oh, no, no, no. This is a miracle. Oh, you are one more uh, miracle organization, is it? The highest miracle that they do is human transformation. So let's leave that job alone, <laughs> their focus. I know what he has transformed me into from the time I joined in 1992. What I have, at least my family will tell. Maybe others who are from outside may not know. Others will say how I have transformed. And that, in my view, is the most unnatural. An untamed animal to a tamed, evolved human being. <laughs> well noted, brother. Two more questions to go. Can you explain or describe the kind of relationship that Daji had with his guide, Chariji? It was very personal in one way. Daji used to be quite uh, forthcoming. I don't know how many of you are aware. Uh, before, uh, even before he was announced as a successor for quite a few years, he held uh, the role of the ombudsman in the mission. Some of you may be aware. And which also meant he was sort of uh, the go between for people who wanted to share a problem about the mission, about the functionary, or about themselves. And he was able to handle it with a lot of, I would say, penchant. He could always smell Charity's taste uh, ahead. It was not easy. Huh? I mean, Charity was a very... He was a master. And you think you have understood is when 
you understand you haven't understood. <laughs> he was bang on. The lot of work that he has done in shaping the initial the whispers work. Many of the projects that the moment Charity had in mind he would give it shape and bring it to fruition. I've seen, I mean, uh, we all count and give when it comes to donation. There have been times I have known that he literally was the sole donor for many projects. And not even once he'll come out and say, I gave a check. So way back in uh, 95, after the then Golden Jubilee celebrations of the mission, which was held in Manapakal, Chaji was sitting and uh, talking. Daji was also there. That's when his mind had focused on the 99 Babiji Memorial. And he was thinking about, and the project those days was very, very huge for the then mission standards. And, uh, Daji asked him very simply, there were only two, three of us inside the room, very close to a conversation. So I said, how much would it cost? Charity took it seriously and gave a number. And immediately took out his checkbook from his bag. He always used to carry a shoulder bag. He wrote a check for the full amount. Literally in that moment, uh, Charity had tears in his eyes. I could see. I said, Kamlesh, you can't do this. You're denying the opportunity of people participating. And then he made it literally a people's moment where everyone, we all remember those who were at the time, we had the gold coin scheme, the silver coin scheme, various amounts, and we all participated in one way or another. The Charity used to quote that very often in so many details. Not because he threw money and he wanted to prove he had money. How many people have money? Give it. This was just one aspect. In every aspect, you wanted to lessen the load. I remember once we took Charity for a haircut in a five-star saloon, three of us only. I took Charity in my car and uh, Daji was in the backseat. We went. And we two were sitting and watching Charity being given a haircut and Charity was whistling away. He seriously said, I feel like slapping that uh, barber. I was wondering what happened. Said, see, every time he is uh, cutting his hair, he is pushing his head. I mean, you know, when a barber, he pushes and turns to suit his movement. I was wondering, you know, how come a person is so sensitive to the pain, even, I mean, it doesn't even pain. When a, a hairstylist is working on it, I don't think it pains when he turns your head, right? To that extent, his focus was on him even those days. He, his focus was only the master of the mission of the time, even today. I mean, these are all things we all can imbibe, not very hard to emulate, maybe at a monetary level difficult, but at a spiritual level, as a volunteer, I don't think it's very difficult. Even today, the number of foot soldiers he has compared to the vision that he has is nothing. How many of us are there? 14,000 preceptors, another 50,000 volunteers, 730, 7.3 billion, 730 crores of people to cover and make them understand heartfulness. It's not easy. So he had multiple talents which are all blossoming one after another. And right now, he's like one of those Kalyana Purushas, you can say, you know, completely blossomed into. That's all. 
Okay, brother. The final question. We all know you can sing. <laughs> you care to share, share something with us today? I'm sure the global audience would be very happy to hear. You belt out something, one of your tunes uh, that maybe you sung for Shariji. All I would say is, that's what I said, I'm going to pre the question. I'll only share an anecdote pertaining to that because after speaking for two hours, the voice is not ready. You, you need a fresh voice for that. Okay. And anyway, I've sent a link to Ramesh where he can share that. I've yes. recorded a one program only on songs and connected to spirituality. Of course, we have to know Tamil. But I remember an incident once, uh, 95, just after marriage, uh, I was traveling. I was one of his official companion for a few years then. We landed in Delhi. It was seething hot, middle of May. It was like 44, something like that, 44 degrees centigrade. And fortunately, there was an ABS who had brought a car which was high end, good AC. He was sitting in the front seat and uh, his usual left side front seat. And the ABS he was driving was playing a popular song which had just been released in Hindi. Movie called Ham Aapke Home. What I mean to you, kind of. There's a song called Pehla Pehla Pyar Hai. My first love kind of a song. And I was singing along without knowing that I'm singing. The song was nice. And as soon as the song ended, it turned back and we were speaking in Tamil. With me, he always refers to speak in Tamil unless it's an official communication. So you ask, so you're thinking about your wife and singing, is it? She should have been your first love. I told him, no, Master, she is my second love. She, he was literally shocked. He just literally turned from his seat. Even those days, he used to wear seatbelt, which was not compulsory then. He said, he used a tunnel word, cursing me literally and saying, I never knew your wife was your second love. I said, of course, Master, you are my first. And then he said, you Saleh, you know, something like that he said. <laughs> And uh, in that tour, I sang a lot of songs in the... I used to be in the same room where I used to sleep. A few of the songs I still remember, recall that I used to sing. I used to like... Singing to him is not easy for a simple reason. He was a great musician himself. He can easily spot the mistakes he makes. Of course, with us, he was very benevolent. He was a great musician, which was known to all of us. He could play flute. And his whistles were... Absolutely out of the world. The then uh, leading uh, flutist, Mali, used to come and uh, tell him, you know, Chari, the way you whistle if you play the flute, I have to quit this uh, profession. He was so good. And uh, singing to him was a privilege. And we were more like his children. I mean, I had no inhibitions moving with him or talking to him. The same inhibitions I have none with Daji as well. But with masters, we should have no inhibitions. Not arrogance, but should not have any inhibitions. And uh, it used to be always, I used to, I have sung a few lullabies for him in the nights. Not that always I get a chance, but I'll hum. Sometimes he'll say, sing, sing. That's it. Someday maybe, yes, we'll have a <laughs> program around that. But sorry to disappoint you on that. My voice at this moment is not ready for it. It's uh, 7.30 in uh, Malaysia. We have uh, reached the end of our program, brother. On behalf of the uh, global audience, I would like to thank you so much for your time. 
for the effort that you have taken, okay, for sharing all those wonderful experiences, those anecdotes, those wonderful insights. I, I personally feel you have brought the essence of Daji to, to me, to this living room that I'm here. Thank you so much for that. Uh, to our Thank audience. You. To our audience. Would you like to say something? Because I'm seeing him bleeding forward. <laughs> Thank you. Can you hear me? Go ahead. Thank you. Thank you, brother. It was really marvelous to hear all these uh, wonderful stories. Thoroughly enjoyed it, and I think we're all blessed to have you with us. And uh, please, uh, please jo join us more often in our programs. We really, really feel uh, truly blessed to have this opportunity. Thank you so much. I wish that when pandemic settles, I would maybe make a trip and be with you all also. I, I love that part of the world. I've been there four or five times, twice on business as well. I have clients, used to have clients in Kuala Lumpur and in other areas. I, I hope that things become all right where we can meet in person as well. It has been a wonderful opportunity. And thanks for a good close to two hours staying back and listening. It was really marvelous. You're, you're you. always welcome. You're most welcome. And the next time when you will come to Malaysia, we'll not, we will not leave you. You will have to sing for us. <laughs> this is my song book. <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank and brothers, you. thank you so much uh, for tuning in today. I'm sure you all enjoyed today's session. There's a lot of uh, takeaways that uh, Brother Prakash shared with us. I hope uh, your uh, winning days of the 90-day challenge would uh, be a fruitful one for everyone. Uh, I wouldn't be able to end uh, today's session without uh, mentioning uh, what Daji spoke about. He made a plea to all Abhyasis to give him some space. So uh, let us all uh, earnestly and fervently pray for his uh, well-being, for his uh, recovery, for his uh, good health. Thank you all so much uh, for joining. Look forward to see you all next week. Thank you. <laughs>